Welcome to Growing Up Beverly Hills. I'm Stacy, And I'm David. We grew up together in Beverly Hills in the 1980s. Forget what you've seen in the movies or TV shows. We have the real stories about real people growing up in Beverly Hills. Here's a little known fact for you. There aren't any talking chihuahuas. <laughs> Beverly Hills folk drop a lot of names of people and places. We just can't help it. Don't worry, we'll explain it all at the end of the interview in the Beverly Hills Breakdown. Enjoy, subscribe, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Whoa, watch out. You got your great music in my amazing food. No, you got your amazing food in my great live music. Hmm, I love it. Me too. There's only one place to get gourmet food with the best live music in town, and that's Vibrato Grilled Jazz. It's owned by our friend Eden Alpert and her father, the great Herb Alpert. They make you feel like a star amongst the stars. You can now dine inside or out. There's live music Friday and Saturday nights, and they have an amazing Sunday brunch with live music too. They have a full bar with imaginative cocktails, beer, and wine. They are located at the Glen Center at the top of Beverly Glen. You can make your reservations at resi.com or directly at vibratogrilljazz.com. Tell them Growing Up Beverly Hills sent you. We'll see you there at Vibrato Grill. Yay! Stacy, we have an amazing guest on this episode, and it turns out our next episode too. Oh my God, we had Claudia Wells on, David. It was such an incredible conversation. We were talking literally for two and a half hours that... We've done something we've never done before. We're going to split this one in two. And in the first part, we're going to talk about some of her early days, which were quite interesting. We really only knew her before she made Back to the Future. So this is the Claudia Wells we grew up with. Exactly. Because we met her around the age of 14 when she came to Beverly High, but she was quite an established actress prior to moving down to Los Angeles. And she did... Her first thing was opera singer, which is the most incredible thing. And she did all this great acting as a child. Yeah, she went from Kuala Lumpur to San Francisco. And then at the age of seven, started starring in operas. Quite incredible. And her story was just fascinating. And hearing everything she was telling us about her younger acting days and how she ended up coming down to Los Angeles to really follow her passion. So enjoy the early years, but please listen to the second part of this because we really get into some more emotional stuff. And I was really pretty moved. And we really see the amazing journey that she went on from Back to the Future and beyond. I thought the conversation itself was just a journey because we really did learn about her early years and things that we had never known about. She'd never communicated before. Quite a wonderful person which with an incredible story and such a big heart. So we hope that everyone enjoys the first one and the second one because Claudia Wells just really does not disappoint throughout the both shows. To find out everything about Claudia Wells that we don't cover in the podcast, go to ClaudiaWells.com. And also she um, is involved with a charity called Kids in the Spotlight. And you can reach them at kitsinc.org, kidsinthespotlight.org, empowering foster kids through filmmaking. And if you're local and you need some men's clothing for yourself or for a loved one, go to Armani Wells. She's been in business for over 25 years, and it's a fabulous men's clothing apparel. And if you want to be dressed by a stylish woman, call Claudia Wells directly or contact her at ClaudiaWells.com and get styled by the stars. And the great thing about Armani Wells is you get all the designer brands for less. That's right. How cool is that? Totally cool. You'll also meet Claudia's cats in this episode. Listen carefully. You might hear a meow. We hope you enjoy. Thanks, guys. Let's hear it. Claudia Wells, welcome to Growing Up Beverly Hills. Claudia, it's so great to see you. It's great to see both of you, too. Sorry, you're meeting all my kitty cats. That was Goldie. Oh, hello, Goldie. (laughs) I love that you're doing this show, by the way. I think it's genius and brilliant because the Beverly Hills High School shows don't seem like Beverly Hills High School at all to me. Well, thank you. And thank you for being on. We're thrilled to have you, Claudia, especially since you are from our graduating class of 1984. That's right. An unusual thing that both you and I have in common is we were both born overseas, but we're American. I was born in Japan. 
you, oh, you were born in Japan? How did that come about? Well, it came about for me because my dad was in the army for a couple of years, but how about for you? I was born in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. So I'm an American born abroad, like you are. Mm-hmm. And my father is a, well, he, he's retired now, but he's a, a parasitologist, researches tropical diseases. So he and my mom lived in Malaysia. At the time, it was called the Malayan Islands for two and a half years. While my father figured out how to heal the children who played in the water that had uh, parasites that went into their feet and caused diseases. And my dad discovered there's a particular type of snail that has, um, that has something that comes out of it that kills the parasite that was killing the children. Wow. It's cool, right? Yeah, very cool. He's 96 now. Wow, it's incredible. Actually, you know, last week I was I was giving Bob Gale an award at the Family Film Awards, and I was sitting next to this older guy who was just so, so funny. And he started talking about that he was a professor at UCLA. And I said, well, my dad was a professor at UCLA. That's how he met my mom. And he said, in what? I said, well, he was the head of epidemiology. And he said, what was his name? I said, Dr. Don Heineman. He said, Don Heineman? I said, yeah, I'm his daughter. <laughs> and he said, no, he, my dad was this man's parasitology medical school professor in 1956. And he remembered everything about my dad. That's cool, Claudia. Isn't that so cool? So, yeah. Were both your parents from Los Angeles, if your dad taught at UCLA? My mother... I think is from Cleveland, Ohio. She was, uh, there's a lot of stories about her childhood and I'm never quite sure which uh-huh. one to grasp. Um, my father is a fourth state, a fourth generation San Franciscan. Okay. So that's, you moved right back to San Francisco after Kuala Lumpur? Yes. Um, as soon as I was old enough to fly, uh, I was seven weeks old. If you asked my mom, I was six months old. If you asked my dad, <laughs> I don't recall. So I was somewhere in between there and they moved back to San Francisco and um, got divorced within about a year. Oh, so I grew up with my mom, which is why no one really knew anything about me other than my mom and I when we were in high school. Gotcha. Because I have an older sister and older brother. What was your early life like in San Francisco? Oh, it was good. Um, My father was head of the joint medical department program between UC Berkeley and UCSF. So I was a weekend daughter. He would take me to the zoo or the beach and go to his office to play with his 12 foot boa constrictor, Slinky. Oh, So there's pictures of my sister and I, like as four year olds with Slinky, like wrapped around our bodies and our neck and my dad holding the head. That's cool. I went to French American bilingual school starting when I was Four. So I spoke mostly French before English. Wow. And I I was the babysitter of everyone starting when I was seven. Boss Gags lived, lived right next door to us. Oh, how cool. He was my first concert I ever went to. That's a good one. But also it's probably your first paying job since you were his ba- their babysitter. Actually, my first paid job, I was seven. Before Boss moved in, I babysat for... Um, Marsha and John Waterbury lived upstairs from us. Boz actually wanted me to go with them to the Caribbean to be their babysitter when I was eight or nine, and my mother wouldn't allow it. Gee, I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> that sounds very safe. <laughs> and I, um, I started opera when I was eight in San wow. Francisco at the San Francisco Grand Opera House. So is that your the first thing you did kind of in the arts was your first interest was opera? It wasn't my first interest, but it was my first opportunity to be an actor. They had auditions of all the kids at the San Francisco schools and Marin County schools to be in an opera in the fall uh, as singing roles. And my sister got a part in Verter as the daughter. Hmm. And I used to go to the rehearsals and dress rehearsals. And I've always wanted to be an actress. I mean, since I could speak, I knew that was my calling. And right. so when I saw my sister there, I thought, if I sing, I get to act. And I told everyone, I want to do what she's doing. I was eight. And so spring opera that year, they had a role for a kid and they asked me to do it. And then I was in 10 operas. So I spoke in opera. I sang in opera, yelled in opera. 
um, Placido Domingo was, you know, a family friend that I, I just was, he was like a father figure to me. And the backstage of the opera house was my stomping ground. And then my sister and I were founding members of the San Francisco Girls Chorus, which was an offshoot of the very famous San Francisco Boys Chorus. And so we used to sing all over the city. And actually, um, at Obama's inauguration, the San Francisco Girls Chorus was the chorus there. And I was like, whoa, they really... Wow, they stepped it up. My acting came about, we went to see an agency after I was in the opera. And um, while the agency spoke with my mom, they sent me in the other room, which was actually an audition for a Volvo commercial. And I just walked in and they wanted me to sing. So I sang in French. (laughs) I got the job. And it was a national Volvo commercial where we sang Frère Jacques. And it was, um, it won a Clio, which is like the Oscars. I know. Like your first commercial. That's great. Uh, So then I was with Brebner Agency, which a lot of people would know in San Francisco. And then I went to Modeling Agency for May. I was in like the JCPenney catalogs and the Sears catalogs and Sunday paper. I was in like the pink section or the, I I found a bunch of them of my modeling days. Oh, neat. This agent with Gramey went to Los Angeles with my mom and I and set me up with generals with a bunch of different casting directors. And I just walked in and talked. And one of them was Tony Howard, who was the casting director, huge casting director. And she was casting family. So I was in the seventh grade and she called my agent and said, we want Claudia to come out and audition for a role in family. That was the Seda Thompson, Christy McNichol, it was like a one-hour drama on TV. It was a huge show. That's right. And then Quinn Cummins became a regular on it after she got famous. Yep. It was my first audition ever for a television show. And they gave me the sides, you know, the two pages of dialogue. And I had a photographic memory. So I just looked at it and I knew it. And when I went in, I did the audition. Acting just came completely naturally to me it was it was not ever an effort necessarily and there's all these perfect looking little girls with their moms like 25 of them in the waiting room perfect looking pristine <laughs> like pros and then there was just me and my mom going <gasps> and so uh, tony howard came out and she said to my mom barbara your daughter did a very good job she got the part but I need you both to go in the other room because I still have all those girls to audition. Uh-huh. Mm. Is that love crazy? That. That's amazing. Isn't it? So you really never know. So all these kids, like 20, 25 of Hollywood's, you know, Greatest. right. And then I flew out and did it. And um, they called me back to do it again. And I did another episode. And that was my basis to convince my mother to move to Los Angeles after the eighth grade, so I could be a proper actress. Wow. She kept saying, we can just keep flying out for interviews. And then on the set, someone said, Barbara, you can't just fly out for interviews. If she wants to do this, move to LA. I went to very, very collegiate type private schools. After French American, I went to Marin Country Day School. We had like two hour finals in every subject twice a year in the sixth grade. Wow. Like everything they taught at Beverly, I had already learned learn i was thinking that must have made beverly high very easy for you so easy (laughs) Uh, i was so used to like four or five hours of homework every single night like if i find an old diary i'm scheduled every 30 minutes from 6 30 in the morning on and so i decided i'd had enough education and when i went to beverly i just sort of breezed through Going back to when you were seven, what gave you that spark? I, I want to be an actress. This is for me. Oh, I knew when I was two. Oh. How did you know? I knew uh, the first time I turned on television, I knew that's where I wanted to be. Gotcha. I mean, I'm talking like Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers. Besides the fact I thought they were really looking at me. Yeah. And I, I cried to my mom one day when I was like, I mean, I remember all of this when I was two or three. And she didn't understand why I was crying. And I said, I wanted to be in that box and do what they're doing. And she said, well, okay, you know, you can reach for this guy and la la la. And I said, no, but I'll never be that small. (laughs) (laughs) And I never had any shadow of doubt that it wouldn't happen. I'm the only actor in my entire bloodline. 
were your parents on board from the beginning? My father, being the scientist, math man, pragmatic, highly educated professor, um, used to say, you know, you should never take a bigger piece of the pie than you're allotted. Mm -hmm. And you don't go to the head of the line. You stand like everyone else in the back of the line. You make your way. My mother used to say, if you dream it, you can do it. There's no reason why you can't. Right. I didn't just want to be an actress. I wanted to be like a television and film famous actress. It never occurred to me to do like a local theater. I wanted to just, and, and failure never occurred to me as an option ever. Right. So when I was in LA auditioning for things or interviewing agents, not knowing that they're supposed to be interviewing you. Mm. And I was 14 interviewing like top agencies, telling them exactly what I was interested in from an agent. It never occurred to me that it wouldn't be a yes. Yeah. Well, for you, it almost always was a yes. You booked a lot of parts at very young age and kept on booking and booking. Well, you guys know that, but it's kind of funny because everyone knows me from the wonderful movie I got to be in, but I, I was working all the time in things. And it's almost like, you know how they say overnight uh, success after 10 years of work. Right. Yeah, that's what they say. But you had already put in your 10 years before Back to the Future, which is so amazing. As Because I remember when you did arrive at school, you were... You do? I do. Because you, I mean, you looked exactly like Brooke Shields and you were so gorgeous. And, you know, I, I knew you were an actress. And there was something so special about you that you had that quality definitely even in 1980 when you came, you know, it was amazing. That is so beautiful. I was so nervous about being, we went to, we moved to Beverly Hills because the high school was free. Yeah. And my mother knew it was like a good education. So you got your mom to agree to take you down to Los Angeles and you came into Beverly Hills. Yeah. Did you come straight to Beverly Hills? We stayed, okay, my mom's best friend, Leona Mitchell from the opera. She was a wonderful, she's still, I call her Mama Leona. Her boyfriend had a condo in Westwood. So we stayed there while we looked for apartments. We just drove around and we ended up on Shirley Place. Yep. And um, we ate lunch at the Polo Lounge most days because my (laughs) mother said that it was the same cost as if we went to the grocery store. (laughs) (laughs) It was right. And then I just started high school. I, I was, oh, and I, I became a babysitter again because when we were shopping at M. Frederick's so I could look cool like all the people yep. in Beverly Hills, um, there was a little baby in a stroller. And I went up to the mom and I said, I'm, I'm a babysitter. And may <laughs> I give you my number? Because I, I, that's what I do. Uh-huh. And I got her number and she got mine. And I became the baby's babysitter for years. So I would like go to their house on a Friday night and babysit Friday night, Saturday, and then just never leave because I love them so much. Come home Sunday night and go like filming on Monday in Herbie the Love Bug or whatever series or show yeah. I was doing. Wow. So, yeah. I'm still friends with them. Um, she went to heaven, but um, I call the dad, uh, babysitter dad, and we're still it. great friends. So a lot of us had gone to one of the elementary schools and we knew each other, but you came in not knowing anybody into the high school. What was that experience? Yeah, what was that like? I knew nobody. Uh, It was interesting because I felt like you guys were a lot more fast than me. And I felt like I had a sense of maturity and Mm -hmm. a sense of culture, but I didn't have a sense of, not sophistication, but y'all had like, done stuff that I mean I had barely kissed a boy and the girls in the ninth grade would tell me these things and I was like oh, no <laughs> or I would see like the ninth grade cool girls dating the 12th grade guys and I remember kissing that. outside the kitchen the um wherever we ate lunch the cafeteria and I was like oh I was just I was <laughs> I was like it was like being in it was like being Alice in Wonderland yeah and I didn't know like who was who or what was what. And I really wanted to be friends with people. And I remember like, um, I became best friends with one girl. And I remember, I told her this actually, she forgot about it <laughs> at the reunion. But I remember she yelled at me once in the hallway and said, you're just too sweet. No one's that nice. You're too good to be true. 
And I was like thinking, what did I do? So it's just <laughs> like, I was, um, I really wanted to be friends with people and yeah. I didn't quite fit in with any one particular group. So, except I was, uh, except the drama department, that was like my comfort so zone. right in ninth grade, did you go right into the drama department with, with John Ingalls, right? Yes. And Andy Grenier. Okay. I did junior drama festival and right. I was, I was alone. I didn't do a group one so I could, cause I had to be available for auditions and I won first place. I did individual wow. mime and I worked with Andy Grenier and did a five minute mime. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I'm vaguely remembering. I have a feeling I saw you do the mime at some point. I remember seeing mime at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Some people might take the attitude of, hey, I'm already a working actress. I don't need to be doing this high school drama. You guys are so nice. Yeah, that never occurred to me. I was just so excited. And then um, I remember Nicolas Cage saw it and told me how good I was as um, in that before he ended up moving to New York. And I mean, he was Nicholas Coppola at the time. Exactly. Yeah. Let, let's Coppola talk about Cage. that. Uh, when you were in high school and you were in the acting, you obviously met Nicholas Coppola, Nicholas Cage, John Turtletop, David Cohen, Jason Munchnik, Pammy Siegel. Yeah. Johnny Silverman was discovered in a play that I did with him um, that was um, Alice in Wonderland, Andre Gregory's Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. My agent went to see it, thought Johnny was great, asked me to introduce him. I introduced Johnny to Vaughn who was like the lower agent at STE, my agency I was at. I was always yeah. with adult agencies. Vaughn became Johnny's representative. Then Matthew Broderick had to leave Brighton Beach right. uh, memoirs on Broadway. Vaughn sent Johnny to New York to audition. Nine days later, he was starring in Neil Simon's Brighton Beach memoirs yeah. because my agent came and saw us in that play. That's and pretty that was amazing. the beginning of his career. Because I don't even think he had a very large part in any high school production. And then all of a sudden he's on Broadway. That's exact. That's why. That's great. And we all knew Nicholas Coppola was something. Right. Oh, I mean, he and, was incredible and, in um, high school. Christian Glover. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, it's like, and, and everyone became superstars. Exactly. And then when it was very funny, this is like, way past everything we're talking about i'll go back i promise but i'm standing <laughs> in line to go to um the playboy mansion you know when you you yeah. get your bracelets so i'm standing in line to go to one of their things and i hear this voice behind me and i know it's crispin and i look and i'm like crispin he goes yeah i said it's claudia wells he goes i said from the drama department from beverly hills high and he goes well hello hello in the <laughs> middle of our conversation i'm like we were also in a movie together, but we were never in any of the scenes. I was Jennifer Parker. And he's like, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. But yeah, and then I did uh, Junior Shakespeare Festival. Again, I was individual in the spring of ninth right. grade. And I was Alice and Catherine from King Henry V. And I did the whole thing in French. Part of wow. it was French and part of it was English. And I played the big fat, uh, like, maid and the beautiful princess both wow. and i won i won you really must have this incredible memory to have done all those operas and then be able to do that in french and she told us she had a photographic photographic memory, memory. yeah it's no joke no it's no joke but if you had becky pringle in the seventh grade at marine country day school and you had to memorize the prepositions in alphabetical order wow you'd have a photograph in them above about beyond do you think that gave you a huge leg up in auditions, just yes. being able to memorize everything? Yeah. In fact, I would look at, at the sides and I could picture it in my head. And I, I learned it so quickly that I had to pretend not to know it when I was wow. in the audition and make myself look down a few times because my agent said, if you keep looking like you've studied it, they're going to think that's your final performance and that they can't direct you to do differently. They don't know that's the first time you've ever done that. So stop it and wow. start pretending you, you can't learn things so quickly. I could tell you so many stories about 
in fact, I just got signed. I still have a manager and he emailed me something from, I don't know if it's a secret or not. Well, anyway, Labyrinth is doing a story about the making of, mm-hmm. and they have my uh, screen test. Wow. Oh, cool. And they That's wanted so cool. my permission to show it worldwide. And I'm like, yeah. Wow. And I saw the audition. It's just, just like three days ago. And I actually, I was their first choice and I met with Jim Henson, but I I was ill the day I met with him and he was concerned that I wouldn't be physically strong enough to carry a movie. And they hired Jennifer Connelly, who looked very much like me at the time. And I was thinking about it because I screen tested for so many of the 80s movies. And I'm wondering, like, I mean, Steven Spielberg had the camera on for at least an hour and a half while I was with him. Right. And Lost Boys, I screen tested, and Gremlins, and Goonies, and Young Sherlock Holmes, Adventures in Babysitting. Babysitting. <laughs> yeah, that was down at Phoebe Cates and Elizabeth Shue and me. It sounded like there was like a three of you, like a trifecta of you girls that kind of Phoebe Cates, you, Elizabeth Shue kind of circled around each other in the beginning Sarah Jessica of Parker. Sarah Jessica she Parker. She and I, also. it was down to the two of us for um, Martin Sheen's directorial debut, Babies Having Babies, right. in the morning. That afternoon, I go to Fenton Feinberg to do my final audition for a movie. And Sarah's the one in the waiting room. And I'm like, Sarah, seriously? It's between us this morning and now us again? And she's like, hi, Claudia. And I said, okay, Sarah, let's make a deal. You get one of them and I'll get the other one. And she's like, okay. I said, no, I'm very serious about this. I said, shake on it and eye to eye. I don't care which we each get, but I get one and you get one. And I got the morning job with Martin Sheen's directorial debut, and she got the afternoon job of the movie. Oh, that's great. Isn't that? Yeah. And Melora Hardin, she and I went up with each other for a lot. And then she ended up, when I couldn't do Back to the Future because Eric Stoltz, no, I got the part when Eric Stoltz got the part. And then um, the time of my Jennifer Parker scenes was going to be at the same time as a pilot I had done with Ed Asner and Eileen Brennan off the rack had gotten picked up and it wasn't supposed to be. The network right. hadn't planned on it and then they changed their mind. So I had to back out of being Jennifer. They recast my part and they cast Melora. And then I did my series. They let go of Eric. They hired Michael, who apparently had been one of their first choices or their first choice. And he's 5'4". Melora's 5'7". I'm 5'3 and 3 quarters. Well, now I'm three and a half. So I got my part back, but the synchronicity of it, there's so many parts that got done in Melora and I. I get one, she'd get one. I get one, she'd get one. So, and in fact, I I ran into uh, Olivia Diablo at a spa a few years ago, actually. And she said, I was so glad when you left acting. And I'm like, why? And she said, well, I can walk into a waiting room and not see you and know I had a shot. Wow. I know. It's like, seriously? A lot of the people were a little angry because they had all been stars since they were seven. Right. Well, it sounds like you could even strike up a friendship during these auditions that you became friendly with uh, your competition. I mean, I've spent the night in Melora's house and um, her best friend was a girl that I directed in Junior Drama Festival and Junior Shakespeare Festival when I was in the 10th grade and she was in the 9th grade. She won first place both times too. (laughs) But, and Melora's mom actually was my acting teacher for a little while. It was a a friendly competition. We were all in the same group of like Matt Laberto, Patrick Laberto, and they were Mm -hmm. both on Little House on the Prairie. Yeah. Melora, me, we were all sort of like the mini brat pack. Yeah. But Melora and I were not like friends. We were friends yeah because you had the competition underneath we were such competition and we looked nothing alike on any level but for some reason when casting directors it would end up being the two of us so many times so it was us sarah jessica parker i didn't know phoebe cates was in the mix until the guy um coogan who played the little brother in adventures of babysitting told me that it was phoebe and elizabeth and me wow it seemed like even though you were working all the time that you still had time for high school and you still had time for the drama department. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I made time. Mm-hmm. I made time for sure. And that's why I was doing individual things and then only one play, the Andre Gregory, because 
Johnny had to be, be discovered and get famous. So it worked <laughs> right. out perfectly. Did you actually have time to have fun in high school? Like go to football games or make great friends or do any fun things like that? Going out and being bad like us or me? You know what's funny about that? In high school, I was part of the uh, Young Artists United to get people to vote, not do drugs. And I was I was in the anti-drug abuse campaign with Nancy Reagan. That's right, that's right. And did that music video, Stop the Madness. Yep. No, I really didn't. I mean, uh, no, I, I, I was really shy and I never felt as good as you guys. I never thought I was as cool as you all or, or uh, popular. Like my whole life, all I wanted was to come home and have my answering machine blinking like with messages. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because I think God is so kind and generous and nice that I get this popularity online and stuff now. Yeah. Um, all over the world. And I'm like, you knew I wanted to be popular. But in high school. Anybody would think that you're this uh, beautiful woman coming into our high school and that you're on TV, that you would be instantly popular. But we're a tough crowd, right? <laughs> it's not always a benefit. Oh, you're a tough crowd. Plus, I didn't know that I was like, I can look back now and go, come on, you should have you know, appreciated your looks. But yeah. at the time, all I saw was the flaws and the negatives. I was very hard. I mean, I'm still kind of hard on myself, but much more hard on myself back then. And so I could see and I still can see the beauty in everybody. Yeah. Didn't know I was all that on any level ever. I yeah. knew oh, when I'm well. acting. We all thought you were. I mean, we like thought, Stacey like said, we thought Brooke Shields had come to our school. We're like, Brooke Shields is here. She's so gorgeous. Look at her. Why won't she be our friend? But the difference is we are all so insecure at that age. You know, my own insecurities kept me away from certain things or yours, vice versa. Maybe you were too beautiful. We didn't want to talk to you. You know, there's all that stuff. And Claudia. nobody ever voted me princess. I, I got, I was nominated, but I didn't get oh, the vote. See? I didn't get the I remember Bonnie nice. Elkins and I was like, I want to be princess. <laughs> well, those people were so well established after spending all of their lives in elementary school so. in Beverly Hills and knowing everybody. That's true. And Leslie and Nikki Kramer. I remember yeah. I had a sleepover. Uh, Larissa, not Leslie. Larissa, yeah. Leslie. Yeah, Larissa, she's great. Yeah, I, um, I just never felt that I wasn't that cool. Like I no, I didn't I didn't really go to any parties. I had one date, car date with David Weissman. Oh. In his white convertible rabbit. Yeah, yeah. And we went to uh Lou's, the Chinese restaurant. And yep. I was terrified to eat in front of somebody because I thought <laughs> I'd like be sloppy. Yeah. And then he took me to his house. His parents were downstairs getting stoned. And watching Altered States. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I, you know, my memory is like... I'm like loving I your memory. I remember being spoon-fed in, in the high chair. I remember everything. Oh. I remember what I was thinking. And he brought me up to his room, and he turned on the lights, and they were red. Wow. And he sat on his bed, and he picked up his guitar, and he played me a song that he had written for Melanie Shatner, oh my his, God. Other girl, his old girlfriend. And I was just sitting there going, oh, my God, what's going on? He had a whole setup. <laughs> He, yeah. had, he had a whole thing going on. Oh, he had a whole, it, it didn't work. I mean, <laughs> he was with the wrong girl for that stuff to work. Yeah. And then apparently my mom said the next day he came to pick me up, take me to school. And I, she was, she was like, Claudia had left 10 minutes ago. She walked to school and I, I never had a date with him again. I guess I wasn't what he was looking for. Yeah. That was about as wild as it got for me. Of all these pre back to the future jobs that you had, which was one of your favorites or a couple of your favorites? I love that question. I had so many wonderful experiences. In fact, like Fast Times, the series I did, the Amy Heckman yeah. series, that was the only time I really worked with people, my peers. Hmm. I always was the kid in adult shows. I played Ed Asner's daughter in Anatomy of an Illness based on Norman Cousins' story of healing himself of a degenerative spinal disease through intravenous ma major doses of vitamin C and hmm. laughter and healthy food. And I found him. And he said out of everyone in this movie, no one looked for him, not the producers, writers, nobody. And I became wow. friends with him and his wife went to their house. And I interviewed him and 
ended up doing a, um, a report on him as my high school report. Wow. So that job was, he came to my high school graduation party at the Westwood Marquee luncheon. That's so cool. Yeah. And Dean Jones was there and my dad came Yay. from San Francisco and my brother um, working with Dean Jones in Herbie the Love Bug, the series yeah. was one of my very favorites because it changed the projection of my entire life. He used right. to talk to me about God. He would always say, Clay, come here, let's sit down and talk. He would talk to me about discernment and God and the Holy Spirit. And he and his wife took my mom and I to church every Sunday wow. at church on the way hmm. while we did the series. And I stayed friends with them. Lori's still alive. They gave me my first Bible. I had, I didn't even know I was Jewish until I was like 16 or 17. And I said, I asked Johnny Silverman to explain <laughs> to me the difference between being Jew and Christian. He's like, well, we're basically the same, but Jews uh, don't believe that Jesus is a great prophet and, and teacher and Christians believe he's God's son. But other than that, they're pretty similar. <laughs> <laughs> well, Johnny had it down. Version. Johnny knew what to say. So that movie, actually, that incident where you met these people really changed your life and gave you an opening to God and Christianity into your life. Is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Um, in terms of acting, my first guest starring role after family was Strike Force with Robert Stack. Right. And I played a, a drugged out young girl. And I, I called my pediatrician in San Francisco to find out what the physical manifestations of drugs are and like how to how to do that performance that I love. So you like doing the research. I love that. And I played another girl, nice high school girl who became a drug addict and ended up in a sex for drug, sex, drugs, runaway type thing on Simon and Simon. Oh. And that was Gerald McCraney's directorial debut. Oh, wow. And that I that was one of my very favorite acting jobs. Very cool. Fame was one of my very favorite acting jobs because I, I that was my first big kiss oh. in life ever. Tell us about your big life kiss on screen then. I'll tell you, it was with Danny Amatulo, the character, and I played uh, Maria, a Russian dancer, con artist who wasn't good <laughs> enough to be a dancer. In fact, when we were doing the dancing scene, what's her name? Debbie Allen looked at me yeah. and she goes, why do they hire actors who can't dance? And I was like, <laughs> well, I, I, I got to toe when I did ballet growing up but I wasn't as good enough for her. I wow. saw her once many years later and told her that. She goes, I don't remember saying that. I was like, well, I well, do. Get it. I do. So I played a dancer that wasn't good enough to get into fame school. Right. But Danny Amatula was falling in love with me and I was allowing him to fall in love with me so I could use that to get into the school. What a plot. And he sang this song to me and it's snowing out. And then uh, he kisses me and, I was so nervous. I mean, I was like the breath spray. Remember Banaka? Yeah. Banaka. Walking to the set from the dressing room. And I was just terrified. But when he kissed me, I was like, I melted. I saw stars. <laughs> and it lasted for a really long time. And I was just like, I forgot everything. I mean, I, I'm such a romantic. I love and that And then story. we stopped kissing. And he's like, and he looked at the camera and he goes, F. They said the word. What's my line? <laughs> that's my first you left them speechless <laughs> and the good thing about all of your acting roles that were the drug addict even though you missed some of this actual stuff in real life high school you got to do it as an actor so you're probably better off in the long you're run. so good stacy that's true i used to tell my mom that because i didn't want to go to college and mr hooker was my counselor at beverly yeah and he always he was so sweet and he used to say, Claudia, you don't know for sure you're going to be an actress and you need to go to college just to hedge your bets. And, and I was like, but Mr. Hooker, I'm already an actress and it's what I want to do. Why, why should I go to college when I can be a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, a princess, a mom? I can do all of these parts without going to college and I can just play them. And That's it's right. like being them. That's right. You didn't quite see it that way, but. That's why you shouldn't let Patrick Dempsey operate on you in real life. <laughs> Patrick Dempsey played Damone in Fast Times. Oh, wow. Right, with you. We know. Yeah. The people course. in Fast Times and, and Courtney Thornsmith played Stacy. Yep. And um, Ray Walston. 
was Mr. Hand again. Carried over. And Vincent Schiavelli was the science teacher from the movie. Of course. But, and, and Moon Unit Zappa was the reality consultant and also played a character named Barbara. Fun. So, so all these, and Wally Ward, who's now Wallace Ingham and stars on one of the CSIs, the people in, in that series became superstars after. Yeah. Well, I just like that you were involved in a lot of our growing up, Back to the Future and Fast Times, two of our most favorite things growing up in the 80s. So yay to you, Claudia. Yay you, Stacey. Yay you. Oh, and you know what? Um, uh, Nick was in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah, that was one of his first parts, or maybe yeah. his very first part. Yeah. And the same, it was all the same people who did the series. Amy Heckerling, Neil Israel, it was all the same writers and directors. So there were very few actual working actors at Beverly. Were you able to kind of bond with them or meet them while you were at you school? You guys are so nice. I used <laughs> to think like everyone is working. And my mother used to say to me, Claudia, she, she said a few things. She said, pay attention to the nerds because they're going to be the ones that run the world one day. True. How true did that become? And, she, and the football players are going to be like pudgy and, you know, sitting on the couch drinking their beer. So pay attention to the nerds. And I used to just think everyone was great and everyone was beautiful and everyone was successful, but I never looked at myself that way. I mean, for me to walk down the street in front of the swim gym gave mm-hmm. me terror wow. because I knew people were sitting there and they're so cool and they're going to see me when I'm walking by. It was like 10 years later, I saw different high school people who said to me, uh, oh, I had such a crush on you. I'm like, you didn't even really? say hi to me. Right. Yeah. Well, they were insecure too. Uh, I guess, I guess. Yeah. It was an insecure time for all of us, you know, and, and it had to be crazy, especially at Beverly. Oh. With the eating disorders and the, oh. I mean, the girls teaching each other all the diets. How to throw and, up, literally how to throw up too. Or laxatives, yeah. yeah. It was a thing. Yeah, lax- it was just, it was all Binging gross. together. I mean, if people knew the reality of, <laughs> of the pressure. We're here to tell them. We're here to tell the truth of what it's yeah. like. You know, it's, it, it was tough growing up in Beverly Hills in high school. It really was a hard time. You know, we're trying to be cool, who's super cool. I mean, you're a major actress, stunningly gorgeous, and you're feeling insecure. I'm just scrappy trying to get by. David, David's just the best. David (laughs) was always comfortable in who he is. This is how I take it. You were comfortable in who you were. You were not trying to be anything for anyone. And you were kind. And you weren't about you. You were about other people. I remember everything about you in high school. I remember knowing you were one of the good guys and the nice guys. And you always gave me a hug and you were always sensitive and unassuming. And your brother, your older brother was the same. He was just intelligent and kind and soft-spoken and quiet, but scientific. And um, yeah. And Stacy, you were always popular everyone loved you athletic smiling you looked exactly like you look now but your hair was a little shorter i mean it's amazing you You two are two of the nicest people from high school well thank thank you you thank you so much i love that you're doing this show i love it because we're having um, a high school's like supposed to be the greatest years of your life and it's where you make your friends forever i don't know i thought it was I used to really like getting jobs so I didn't have to go to school <laughs> I, I hear you I get it well I, I think it was tough and a different experience for everybody and that's what we're learning on the show you know yeah, the most, yeah. even the most popular seeming person had their insecurities and true and who knew yeah exactly after high school I'd find out sometimes like who people were and I was like oh I never knew that oh yeah that last name well it is the same last name as that building yeah. Huh. <laughs> I never right. put two and two together. On our show, we're just like, what do you mean your parents own Rodeo Drive or <laughs> whatever it might be? Or your dad's who? We're, I just knew you as my friend. And me? We didn't know. Too. So never weird. occurred to me, except I think her name was Lizzie or Elizabeth, and her mom was Mrs. Brady. Oh, um. well, of course, because <laughs> that's everybody's mother. Oh, <laughs> I went to her house once and i saw mrs brady yes 
oh my goodness. I went home that day. I'm like, mommy, Mrs. Brady is not like Mrs. Brady. We got in <laughs> trouble for sitting on the bed. We got in trouble for eating too much. And I mean, I was like, wow. like where is Alice? Too, yeah, too bad Alice wasn't there. And then also was weird growing up having uh, Ryan Cassidy with his mom being the mom for Shirley Jones from the Partridge family. So Which I didn't Mrs. know. Mrs. Brady and Mrs. Partridge. Weird, right? Really so weird. weird. <laughs> yeah. so weird. I knew her um, because I was when I was doing Herbie the Love Bug at Disney, Patsy Kensett was doing Pollyanna and Shirley Jones wow. played her mom. But I didn't know Shirley Jones' kid was in high school with me. Totally. I, and Ryan has been my customer at my store mm-hmm. over the years. Yeah. And Pat Cassidy, when he came to the drama department one day and he's playing the piano and Julia Bloom is singing in her perfect voice. Yeah. And I oh, was yeah. like, who's that cool guy? I mean, it was just so, it's just, I had no idea about the parents. And my customer's parent, one of my customers, her dad is Sherwood Schwartz. Oh, made all the shows. Right? And then... And she was the one in the Brady Brunch who got the frog on her face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I actually, actually, Fame, when I auditioned for Fame, I walked into the um, room with the director and casting director and producer and writer. And I looked at the director and they introduced me and I'm like, oh, you're the guy who stole Greg Brady's playbill. <laughs> and he goes, what? I said, you drove up in a red convertible and you stole that football playbill thing that says all of and all the people in the room are like you were an actor you were in the Brady Bunch and he's like yeah okay so the eyes like you can't That's and great. that was my audition for fame That's great that <laughs> is so, so funny. great so let's talk about how of course we got to back to the future we're gonna stop part one of our talk with Claudia Wells now, but come back for part two, where we talk about Back to the Future and everything beyond that. Welcome to the Beverly Hills Breakdown. It's that time again, the Beverly Hills Breakdown. This is part one, since this is a two-parter, but Claudia mentioned a lot of people just in this first part. And some of the more interesting people that she talks about, I think, are casting agents, which I don't really think about a lot in my life, but God, can you imagine the power they have in Hollywood? Jeez, Louise, they can make or break you. They're just the main, I guess they're the gatekeeper, really. Yeah, they're like one of the second, there's so many gatekeepers. (laughs) Exactly. They don't give you the part, but you can't get the part without them. Yeah, there's a lot of necessary people in order to get on TV or movie or any of that. Yeah, and a lot of them were on Claudia's side when she was young, and she must have been an incredible auditioner because she booked so many parts before and during high school. Oh, my God. And it sounds she was so well-versed and accomplished, and it sounded like, you know, she pretty much won or got every part that she went out for as a young star. One of these people who helped her early on was Toni Howard. She cast Claudia in the TV show Family, And she also did the casting for Heart to Heart, which is interesting because we're going to have Robert Wagner's daughter, Katie Wagner, on soon. I know. It's just such an incestuous world that just mixes everything in together. So we love it in Beverly Hills. And she talks about the people who cast her in Back to the Future. And that was Fenton Feinberg. And they were a team of Mike Fenton and Jane Feinberg. And boy, did they do a lot of big movies. Pretty incredible. They had Aliens, E.T., Indiana Jones, and of course, Back to the Future. So they did a lot of work with Spielberg. and They were pretty busy in the 80s. uh, Then she mentions Bob Gale. And Mm -hmm. I, I think everybody knows Bob Zemeckis, but Bob Gale did a lot of work with Bob Zemeckis. They actually went to high school together, which is fun. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And... They, they actually wrote Used Cars. Remember that movie? Oh, yeah. That was like a really low-budget, fun film that we yeah. liked. I think it came out while we were in high school, maybe <laughs> the early days of high school, early 80s. Claudia also was involved in the great theater department Beverly High had. That's something that we pride ourselves on. Oh, yes, for sure. We always had some interesting instructors in the theater department and a huge theater itself and put on all kinds of plays and did a musical every year. Oh, it was an incredible department at Beverly High. Really just 
top notch and we had yeah. top teachers and it was pretty incredible. Yeah. If you would go to a production there, it really seemed like a professional thing you were going to. Listen, I thought it was, I didn't, I avoided going to Broadway. I thought the things at Beverly were so good. <laughs> Just as good. <laughs> So she talks about some of the guys who were involved in the theater department with her who went on to do great things. One was John Turletaub, and he was a, a bit older than us, but he was kind of the generation before some of the famous people we knew. And he became a famous movie director, producer, and he did the National Treasure movies, among many. We'd love him on the show. Yeah, he got to reunite with Nicolas Cage Coppola to wow. do those National Treasure films. So that really connection. Cool. Lots of Beverly connections. What else, David? Well, then she also was in drama with David Cohan and Max Munchnik, who maybe will have one or both on the show soon. Oh, boy, we might get lucky. And they created the show Will and Grace. So many Beverly connections. It was interesting because she kept talking about Melora and mm -hmm. Melora, and that's Melora Hardin. I didn't really know her as a childhood actress, but I'm sure I'd recognize her if I saw her face in right. those early parts. But what I got to know her in and how I kind of knew that name was from The Office. Oh yeah, of course. I'm an Office fan and she played Jan, uh, Michael Scott's girlfriend who ran corporate or was- Of I don't course, know. <laughs> of yeah. course, of course. She was up against Claudia in a lot of the up and coming things while Claudia was becoming an actress. Yeah, they even had a frenemy sleepover. That's true. <laughs> well, that's it for part one. But I encourage you all, you, you listen this much. I really think you should listen to part two, which we even get more in depth and really dig deeper into what Claudia's life was like. Stay around for part two. So suicide has personally affected my life. And we like to mention at the end of our show that there is help for everybody out there. You know, I think everybody's going through a tough time now. and. We don't want anybody to take their lives. Especially during this COVID situation, uh, we've all been experiencing depression and hard times. Things can always get better. Everything bad now can get better. Everything can get better, and there is a lot of help out there. So please reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. There is always help. It doesn't hurt to call. So do that. You don't have to do this alone. There's always help. 